My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And I'm Sarah Century. And welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel we call Not Comics. This is our 26th Not Comics special where we take some time each month to look at something that is not comics and have recently not even Marvel comics because we make the rules. It's our show. Yeah. And it's, all, it's, it's all related. Sarah, since you chose this one, can you introduce another I'm not throwing her out. Just like, you know, since week, since you're the one who chose it, can you introduce this movie? <laughs> yes. We're not taking responsibility for this one. Oh, I'm delighted to introduce this movie. It is Barbarella, starring Jane Fonda. Yes. So if you have little ears accompanying you and you're listening, and they don't know what sex is, you're <laughs> failing as a parent, tell them, and then listen to this together, because it's going to be fun. <laughs> We will tell you what sex is, definitely, in this, because you have to know in order to understand Barbarella. Oh okay. my god. So, um, I had no exposure to this whatsoever, except a vague conception that it involved a woman scantily clad in space. I basically mm-hmm. knew that from the poster. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's the plot. Okay, so that's the episode, everybody. Yep. <laughs> Mike, did you have any more of a concept of this? I had the exact same uh, concept of this movie, but I also knew it because my dad likes it, and (laughs) he rarely likes fictional things. He's more of a, you know, let's listen to Patriot Radio and complain about this vacation taking too long, I want to get back to work kind of guy. (laughs) So anything fiction, but he liked, like, he liked Star Trek, he liked James Bond, he liked uh, George Reeves, Superman, those kind of things were like, huh, okay, let's check these out. Some reason I never checked out Barbarella, though, but I did know about it. I have one more element to add to what I knew. I did, Sarah, I want you to tell us what your exposure is. Um, so I've been reading through Vampirella. Mm. Um, yes. I've been doing that as a, as a prep for some stuff that she's going to do for my Image Comics podcast. Um, and I obviously had thought about their similarity in names, but I never realized that Vampirella was intentionally named after Barbarella, because as all you Vampy fans know, Vampirella is actually a space alien mm-hmm. um, who... I did not know that. Oh, I knew yes. the space part, not the name after part. Wow. So a little bit of an intentional homage with her. And then I watched the movie. And Sarah, what is your experience with this movie? Oh, I can't even imagine a time before I knew this movie. Like, this movie has been with me <laughs> through thick and thin. This is a movie that I saw... So young. I think I must have been like 10, 11, 12, something like that. Like very, very young kid. And it is like, I I believe I watched it around the same time that I saw Rocky Horror Picture Show. So it was like me understanding camp for the first time and kind of understanding that I was gay a lot because <laughs> like, you can't avoid that if you're watching you know Jane Fonda being beautiful on screen um but I think that like basically it was it's just something that's just baked into my existence I've watched this movie countless times I always enjoy it it's always ridiculous like always just a pointless ridiculous movie that was like 
uh, literally like a husband directing his wife and being like, babe, like you should like <laughs> put on this like cellophane outfit and like all of this ridiculous stuff. And I should I should definitely mention that I'm a big Jane Fonda fan. She had a really bad time during this movie and also just kind of this time period. Her husband really is kind of a creep. You kind of have to, I didn't know that the first time I watched it and actually didn't know it until a little bit later. Um, so my experience with it is divorced from that a lot, but it is definitely something that comes up in my mind sometimes whenever I'm watching it. And then, of course, I'm always like, that guy does suck. Like, get him out of here. You know, if this if he were still with us today or whatever, I'd probably be like, we can't. <laughs> we yeah. can't watch this movie. <laughs> but it's well, like, I don't know. It's campy. It's ridiculous. Like, I kind of like all of the, like, bad sex jokes. Like, I think all of it is, like, really fun to watch if you can approach it in that in that way. Well, that does kind of bring up a topic that I wanted to hit at some point during this conversation. I don't know if we talk about it now or later. But um, this is 1968. So late 60s into the 70s, you know, sexual revolution. Uh, part of feminism at the time was women finding out that you know they can express themselves sexually and that should be okay. Um, and men, but, <laughs> right, right, it's right. like it's so exploitative and it's such like a male gaze fantasy. You know, right. it's so like, that's what I was going to go with. Is like, where's I don't I don't always know as a guy looking at a piece of art how it was created. Was this a woman expressing sexuality or is this men exploiting women? This very much feels like it's the latter. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. I think that it's in a spirit of fun. And like whenever, as I say, like the first time I watched it, it was in the spirit of fun. And I've always found it to be really entertaining. And it has all of these bonkers sci-fi elements. And it's like they were married, you know, so it's like there's also this whole thing of like, you know, it's just like a kind of complicated situation. It's not so bad that you would be like that guy, you know, that's like a Roman Polanski or something. But it is somebody who didn't treat his wife well. Right. So regardless, you're just like, damn, Jane Fonda, you really didn't deserve that. And also like a lot of, you know, her own there was she suffered from eating disorders and like all of this stuff. And yeah, it's, it's just rough. I mean, it's rough to think of her being in a bad place during something that's just such a campy movie. Right. So you're just like, oh, it sucks. Cause it's like, she has these great moments in this movie where she is so buoyant and really fun to watch, you know? So it, it is a huge bummer. Definitely. And it's, it's like, I think that Barbarella in a lot of ways is how you approach it, right? (laughs) Like, I think it's definitely something where it's like, yeah, tons of guys, like, approach this movie with just nothing other than, like, boobs, 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 you know, like, that's it. And, I mean, there's not a ton of substance here. What do you mean, that's it? That's a lot. (laughs) It's, I mean, it's it's a lot. Um, and like I say, there's not there's not that much outside of that. But like at the same time, I don't know. I watched it at a young age. It means something different to me. Um, I hope that Jane Fonda is cool <laughs> with that. If she's if she was like Sarah, fuck that movie. I'd be like, damn, damn Jane Fonda. Okay, I'll never watch it again. Right, I'm sorry. Right. But it's, it has, like, this greater universe around it now, too, right? Like, there's a comic book and, like, all of this stuff. I really question um, how – basically, like, how female sexuality is portrayed here. But she is in charge of herself, right? So right. there are good things about it. Um, but it is dicey territory. I'm not going to lie. Well, I yeah. think it's – all the diciness sounds like it's off camera because when I watched it, I didn't know – 
I didn't even Any know that. that the, right? I didn't know the director was even her husband. That's how much research I do for this show. But I was just <laughs> watching it, and I've since also read that she had two huge sex scandals right before this movie. So she yep. was not even. She was kind of hesitant to even do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she. So yeah, I mean, all the backstory is like, oh, I'm so sorry, Jane Fonda. But when I was watching it initially, I was just like, well, they want me to find her sexy, and they want me to, you know, focus on the sex, and they want me to like um sexualize her and i'm just gonna go ahead and do that because this movie's fun and that's what it's trying to do and i didn't really feel like like you said i didn't feel like she wasn't in didn't have her own agency about that stuff yeah yeah so i think that that's in that sense it was just like in that sense it was just kind of like everybody having free for all sex and i didn't really it didn't feel creepy to me really and the the movie does get away with for pretty much the entire thing not being gross about it yeah Mm -hmm. Like yeah, because the- it's like restrained and it's like it's funny. It's supposed to appeal to a wider audience. This is mm-hmm. also exactly like same time as one million BC or whatever that movie was with uh, Raquel Welch, where it's like she is completely sexualized in that movie. And in this mm-hmm. movie, it's like it's sexualized, but there's a lot of autonomy to it. So, I mean, it's the 60s. I don't know. Women were in a real bad place. <laughs> like, right. It's trying, not trying. Um and one more note on that before we go on to, to happier things, just an example of something I, I, I saw recently. It's like the other type of other type of art. I did not realize that Vampirella's costume was designed by a woman artist. Absolutely. Um, Trina Robbins. Right. Trina Robbins. So her look as an example of something that from a uh, 1990s perspective, you think, wow, this is just, a, you know, so typical of exactly what we're trying to get out of coming away from the 90s. Uh-huh. But from a 1972 perspective, 1971 perspective, that's Trina Robbins, you know, expressing something that she wants to express. So um, it was 1969, actually. I <laughs> the apologize. Best, the best possible year for Vampirella to have deb- debuted. You are, you are absolutely um, correct. I'm in 1972 now. That's as Yeah. Yeah. Um, also like, I mean, Vampirella is amazing. Like that's the thing too. Right. Like I love that character and Trina Robbins has something very poignant that she says about that, which is basically, you know, I gave her a sexy costume. I did not hypersexualize her. There is a difference between those two things. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you see her, and I believe we've talked about this on my podcast, Bitches on Comics, many times where we're just like, you know, there's a difference between Vampirilla doing this of her own free will. You know, it's like Vampirilla is a sexy character. She would totally dress like this. Earth customs make no sense to her, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if G- if like Jean Grey shows up in that outfit... <laughs> a question you know or like whenever sue storm totally had like a vampirilla outfit is like i don't know if i believe this like this is a weird moment um and is somebody trying to like uh i don't even know what the writers were trying to do with that but like with vampirilla it kind of makes sense and that's kind of how i feel about barbarella too and as i say like she's never victimized you know in a real way in this movie like she has autonomy like she has agency um and it, that makes all the difference honestly like and it really she, and she enjoys it yeah absolutely i at mean no she's, 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 like, oh, she's oh, all about it <laughs> at no point is she like oh not this again she actually wants it Eventually. Right, and it gives she gets you, turned like, out at one point. It's that yeah. like that thing where it's just like, yeah, this totally appeals to like the wrong kind of dude, right? Who's just like, yeah, women like should be all about it all the time, and like all of that, and it's just like, but so does everything else. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I literally like any 
movie, you know, with any woman. And it has, like, somebody being like, she should take her top off, you know? So it's like, I don't know if you're appealing to people who suck. I mean, I can't really speak to that. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Barbarella was kind of a great movie. And I watched it as a kid. And honestly, like, this was better than Sex Ed. I, like, learned a lot of shit from this movie. So... (laughs) It's one of those things just like it's kind of like when John and I are reading and there's like moments where like Sue Storm or they all come back from vacation or fighting, you know, the mole man and Sue and Sue wants to clean the house. Right. Right. And so part of us is like, well, there are women out there and men. Some people want to clean the house, you know, when they come home from vacation. But then you also know, well, Stan Lee wrote this. Yes. And he picked picked Sue Storm. (laughs) So it's not just a character trait. It's a sexist character trait. Same with Barbarella. It's like, well, what's the backstory to this? Because if you're just watching the movie, why can't a woman be sexually free and enjoy the sex and go around liking sex when she wants sex? But is it because that's what they're trying to say or is it because they want to create like this sexualized character that makes men happy? Right. And it does totally play to that. Like there's no denying that it does, you know, like I've, (laughs) I've been hearing it's okay to be a woman that likes sex too. Totally. Yeah. Um, It's definitely like that. That's like the line. Right. And it's the same with Sue storm where it's just like, sometimes I buy it and sometimes I don't, I buy it with Sue storm whenever she's being kind of like, a little like uh, absent-minded because Reed is also absent-minded. And so people will be like, Oh, Sue Storm's being like, like a dumbass or whatever. And I'm just like, I mean, she's not though, because it's like Reed does the same stuff only on an emotional level. Right. Like he doesn't even notice the people around him and she'll just like make these kind of like, Oh, walked into a wall jokes or something like that. And it's just like, to me, that makes sense because it's like there are a couple and they would like each other, but you just have to emphasize her autonomy more than you do, right? And then it's mm-hmm. like also, if if a woman really likes to clean, she probably still wants help cleaning sometimes. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you should probably throw down with yeah. that instead of like mocking her from the couch like Reed Richards yeah. does. <laughs> In well, that scene, exactly. Them all three of them did, yeah. It's um, like... <laughs> so... This this movie has a bit of an episodic structure, at least for the first half, and then in the second half, the episodes sort of all kind of connect together and build towards the climax. But, <laughs> it yeah, doesn't. it's like a it's like a choose your own adventure story or something, you know. Like we got to get through Earth, you know, we have to get through this campaign and then this campaign. It kind of feels like that maybe they were taking different issues of the comic and like trying to incorporate mm-hmm. the storylines into the movie. Mm-hmm. So it does beg the question, since this is based on comics, Sarah, have you ever sought those out? The comics that predate the movie. Yeah, definitely. They're very similar. And it is totally like you can tell that there was at least, you know, a read through. Um, Yeah. And I mean, even now they're doing comics like I believe Dynamite is releasing new Barbarella comics. And here's my thing. Like, I really wish that they were written by women because that could really change (laughs) like how we view that character. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, yeah, I mean, the original comics are just same, same, same. It's like totally male fantasy stuff. but with a fairly cool female character. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to read the comics and then like watch the movie. But I watched the movie first and then read the comics later and was like, yeah, I see where they got this. Yeah, I just looked up. It is Dynamite. It's been coming out since end of 17. And yes, both the writer and the artist are male. So yeah. That's, That's not thing. great. Yeah, it's like, I mean, just hire me to do it. Jesus Christ. Like, you hire anybody to do it. And we mm-hmm. do like, 
I mean, I'm not to say that they're doing a bad job by any means, but it's like they kind of did the same thing with the Elvira series where it's just like it's always male writers. And I'm just kind of like, there's something about Elvira that I feel like, you know, a lot of that was written by her. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like it's funnier when it's her doing it. So, like, I mean, if Jane Fonda wrote this script, this movie would be perfect. (laughs) But like it, you know. Just it's a flawed and goofy and weird sci-fi movie from the late 60s. So so I don't know how I want to approach it. Normally we go like characters and talk about each one's plot threads, but this is more, <laughs> this does really have kind of like the, the episodic structure. So that maybe hit each vignette and talk about it. Oh, sure. Because I mean, honestly, sure, because yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel it, like I loved and disliked this movie equally because depending on where we are in the movie. <laughs> okay. It's all so, about set design, right? Like every no, single place. Just no, has it's this weird. Wild set design. No, it's like different writers wrote different aspects. Totally. Or something. It like, does feel that this way. This scene is hilarious, and then the next scene is killing me inside. So it's like, yeah. Where that was just weird. It was like little mini episodes, <laughs> and I liked some of them, and I didn't like other ones. Right. Well, the, it, it opens with probably the closest this movie comes to gross, or at least you know, explicitly exploitative. And this is the the astronaut striptease. Yep. Which. As this was happening, I was like, okay, the camera work on this is pretty great. Because she's laying on a floor that is made up to be look like a wall. And she's like holding her arms and legs in awkward uh, formation to make it look like she's floating. And she's like rolling around on the floor in ways that look like she's rolling around in the air as she is very much enjoying taking her suit off. So uh, something they say about sci-fi and TVs and movies, maybe even books, is you can always tell what decade it was written in. (laughs) <laughs> and this spaceship has like shag carpeting. So yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Her all over the place on this. Um, but I did not know. I knew it was going to be like a schmexy movie and she was going to be in scantily clad outfits. I didn't know they were going to go straight up nudity though. And they do that like in the first five minutes of this movie. They sure do. And so then I was like, <laughs> I was like, hi Sarah, what other movies do you like that I should watch? Cause that was like a really great scene. Cause James Bond is sexy. And that was kind of a cool well, then they, like, like, di- astronaut they- flipping up and down stripping thing. Yeah. And they danced the credits around to like, you mm-hmm. know. Oh, the credits were good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, love- <laughs> so, I loved all that. I loved her conversation with the president. Like they Hilarious. really established this world of like, there's no more war and everybody's kind of uplifted and happy and you <laughs> greet each other by saying love. And like the president's like, we should hook up and have sex later. And she's like, okay, <laughs> shrug. Sounds you know? great. I guess I am um, free next week. So all that was cool. I liked the opening. I thought, I was like, I'm into this movie. This is interesting. This is going places. Which yeah. she should have said is, will you bring the pills? <laughs> yeah. Well, remember, and she's all, he's like, I should put clothes on. He's like, nah, that's cool. You don't have to. Okay. He said, this is an affair of state. So I guess clothes are not necessary. <laughs> And this is the thing, right? Uh, if somebody said this to me, I would be like, cool, meeting canceled. But like, <laughs> Well, but not in the future, I guess. Well, I don't I know. Mean, so here's the thing. Like, I mean, I don't know how much character we can we could pull out of these characters, but I think Jane Fonda did just like a brilliant job of like uh, being, I don't even know how to describe it, but she's just kind of like, uh, I don't know, like kind of positive. Yeah, that's what or, I love about her. Yeah, it's really cool. Like yes. she just kind of goes around skipping through the whole movie sort of, but she in like does. a very charismatic way. 
It's like, no matter how many terrible things happen to her, it's like every time she sees the evil little kid, she's like, hey, girls. (laughs) And it's just like they literally tried to kill you in the last scene. But like, She's like, this is endearing and cute. But and then it's just like, oh, you guys are getting serious here. (laughs) But you kind of get the feeling that everybody from this future, because we don't see anybody else other than the president. We don't see anybody else from her world, really, because she's going to this weird evil world. But like you get the impression that you get the impression that everybody's like upbeat and kind of ignorant and <laughs> yeah and just happy um, because there's yeah. peace on earth or something her her charisma is off the charts in this movie and like yeah. i mean that's kind of the thing right is like she sells it all the way through this movie and jane fonda of course is a brilliant actor has been in so so many things like things that are just like you cry at her performances like i remember watching on golden pond like not too much longer oh, after this yeah. of course it gave me a completely different vibe on jane fonda um it was like going from barbarella to on golden pond but um I mean, that's like the beauty of her career. Like she's been so great and, you know, has like such a political presence and things like that. And it's just like, I mean, she rules, you know? So it's like, that's kind of what makes me be okay with this movie is just being like, you know, Jane Fonda's like a total badass though. And, you know, like she wasn't happy then, but she's happy er now, you know, like she's kind of the boss of her life for sure. So, so here's what, here's what she said about it. She said, is is the character is not a vamp and her sexuality is not measured by the rules of our society. She's not being promiscuous, but she follows the natural reaction of another type of upbringing. She is not a so-called sexual liberated woman either. That would mean rebelling against something. She is different. She was born free. Yeah. So yeah. I you get that works, vibe. Right? Yeah. So Jane I Fonda totally has just works. told you, Sarah, that this movie is okay. Yeah. She's like, yeah. listen, you weirdo. <laughs> you've seen maybe too much of me yet i was in that movie um Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean that's kind of the thing like she's always been a badass she has this long history i mean there's a the podcast you must remember this did a series that was her and gene seberg's career side by side and how it diverged like they were both politically active in the time and of course gene seberg had a monumentally tragic life um but that story kind of it's like that's where you learn like a lot of the really terrible stuff that like Vadim was doing but then it's like at the same time you know Jane Fonda really does come out of it in this way that's very powerful so I don't know I respect it mm-hmm. um, the pod or ship that she's in is entirely shag carpeting except <laughs> yes. for where they want to film that she's sleeping which is meant to <laughs> It is filmed in such a way that you are meant to believe that she's laying on shag carpeting, except that they didn't do it that way. It's like with the camera underneath her. Yes. <laughs> anybody anybody get a vibe every time you see the outside of the ship, like a red dwarf vibe, or was that just me? Totally, yeah. A little bit, well, yeah. This, this is such an influential movie. Like That's something uh-huh. that's important to say right away, is, is that there these things that are introduced in this movie have been popping up nonstop through fiction ever since the release of this movie. And that continues on to today. Like we have, you know, the grand tyrant later in the movie who is absolutely Callisto from the X-Men and Callisto has gone Mm -hmm. in all of these different directions in as a character. So even though, you know, Chris Claremont started with, hey, I'm going to do like a Barbarella takeoff where like this, you know, grand tyrant looking character 
kidnaps Angel, you know, which is basically yeah. what happens just, in this movie. Just because she has an eye patch and and puts javelins into angel wings doesn't mean it's Callista. <laughs> and she has like motorized dagger spins on her wrists. It's oh pretty great. Oh my god! Yeah, when well, the, the dagger, right? That's another thing that Callista always has with her and queer vibes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, I think that they went in so many interesting directions with that character that it becomes its own thing. And of course that is true of the band Duran Duran as well. So I so, never knew that either, but this, oh that, no. that that came from this movie. That was interesting. It did. It did. So, um, her first stop is with like, not Sean Connery. Um, <laughs> okay. I liked all this too. Fair so far, guy. so far the movie's still going for me. I like this whole, business with the crazy weird dolls and the oh, kids wow. the but girls and then the, she's like oh but i haven't gone skiing in such a long time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the thing her one-liners are killer like her one-liners make me die like they're yeah. so so funny and i laugh at them yeah. every time i've seen this movie so many times and i'm like <laughs> very, very few men can take off a gorilla suit and be oh, hairier afterwards <laughs> i totally thought the same thing it's like oh, why even God. take it off that guy's exactly hilarious too because he's like we could make love i asked you to make love that's what you can do for me and she's like yeah uh, ha, uh, yeah okay he's <laughs> like so, okay where's the little bead things he's like what are you talking about oh no i don't do it that way where are her the three seashells af- <laughs> oh my god her after sex is like one of the f- best things i've ever seen because she like has <laughs> she like pops up in that like fur blanket or whatever and is just like hmm, what oh <laughs> And she sings. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that so much. <laughs> it it, it uh, creates a shorthand and then uses it all in the same movie. It's like, you know what's been going on. If you weren't sure, she's now singing and humming. So you know what's going on. <laughs> and I got to say, you know, zero budget on those dolls, but they were kind of creepy. They are creepy. Yes. And it is completely not... Well, cohesive with the rest of the movie (laughs) it's just like oh this just begins with her like almost getting eaten by murder dolls okay got it so she's in this i don't i'm god i'm not gonna be able to explain the plot so someone else could do that but she's going to find a dude who's created a weapon which is a big no-no in her world right right they established at the beginning that she is going to find someone who made a weapon yes and she's like a weapon oh my god a weapon no way (laughs) and then so this place she went to is like step one. Uh, it's like a new what? It's just one planet, or is it a bunch of planets, or what is it? I don't know. Does it matter? Maybe she not. Just, it's like she just stumbles her way through this plot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, just... but she goes to ultimately she goes to a place where bad guys rule, and they uh-huh. put good guys in weird chasms or chasms or something. I don't know exactly to wander first... around like zombies. And and she meets an angel. Yeah, but Hi-gar. is that related? Is that the same planet? That's this ice planet with Harry Sean Connery, or is oh, that something else? I wonder. I forgot if like they actually went to a different planet in between those times. Oh, I, I think, think it, it is the same because she I, crashes into it or something. Right, yeah, right, and, right. And he mentioned something about Sogo. So then that means they're all talking about how like these kids are just feral until a certain age, and then they scoop them up and and take them back to society. I don't know. I'm analyzing <laughs> this way too much, but that was what he said. Something like we leave these kids out here. Yeah. Until a certain point. They're the kids from the Mary episode of Star Trek. Basically, yeah. Oh, wow. They really are. Creepier. Yeah, even a little creepier, I would say. And the twins pop up again and again, right? Like they they show up a couple of more times where they're like, why can't we torture her father? Or like whatever weird weird thing. Um, Yeah, so it's like right after she hooks up with Bear Suit Guy. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. she ends up going to see Pygar, and I love Pygar so Okay, much. so see, now that's where we're going to have to differ, because <laughs> well, it starts to have a good it, first it, impression it, on me. It tanks for me a little bit as we get to this <laughs> world where they're all just walking around in these... In the labyrinth? In the labyrinth, and they're kind of just like high or something. Oh and, my god. And Pygar <laughs> is a, the last of an angel, and yes. his voice is obviously dubbed, and... He's just keeps saying weird stuff like angels don't make love. They are love and they can't yes. remember. So they can have threesomes and stuff. It's like, what yes. is going on with this dude? This like, guy I don't know. I just wasn't feeling him. I wasn't he feeling. is blind and it is fairly offensive because he like his blindness means like he's not aware of anything in the world. Um, so that's not great, but it take, is... take, take a shot. Every time they say Pygar, you'll be dead in three minutes. Oh my God. And how, how could we go? I'll need you to lead me. She's <laughs> just like, I will lead you, Pygar. I will be your eyes. Pygar. This is an idea that has never occurred eyes. to you before. Literally, Having lived like, as a blind man, you've never been guided by another person. Dear God. Also, like, literally, <laughs> if you say the words, I will be your eyes to a blind person, I don't think that's going to go over well. But, like, no. but it's such but, a typical shorthand in stories, right? It's, it I, I've heard that so many times. It is so typical. It is so typical. It's a huge stereotype, of course. And, I mean, once again, we're in 1968, so... Ableism's off the charts, but um But not just Pygar. I think that ping guy was also kind of weird. The whole area was just weird. Like it suddenly <laughs> really so it like drained my energy. I was all high at the beginning, you know? Yeah. And I was cool with the frozen weird doll planet and Harry Sean Connery. That was all fun and funny and the skiing and the weird animals and stuff. And then we get to this thing, it just seemed like it really slowed the vibe down for me. Oh, sure. This, yeah, this definitely. Part. It's just like, yeah, because they're just like, look at all of this. And she's like, she's mouthing the words, poor thing. Yeah. People in rocks and like fondling each other. Yeah. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. That was weird. Like everyone, you, you pass by all these like frozen people in stone and yeah. then you get to the couple who are like fondling each other in stone. It's like, okay. <laughs> what is this trying to say? I wonder. You can't really be um, enjoying that. You're in stone. No, it seems bad. Um, well, and they if you're both stuck have in stone, and you can fondle somebody. At least it's something to do, right? <laughs> they don't both definitely have like deer in the headlights looks, and it's just kind yeah. of unsettling. Um, but it's supposed to be unsettling, I guess. I suppose. Um, that's... But it does it, it does really make you wonder <laughs> what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, almost immediately, she's like, "Piger, where's your house at? Maybe mm-hmm. we could go there." <laughs> yeah, that was funny. The nest was funny. He but takes then... her to a nest. <laughs> Then, oh, the problem oh, is like, oh, Pycar, you saved my life. And they just <laughs> walk into the, 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 the sex shack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's just immediately the next thing, which makes it all the worse funnier whenever later she's like, oh, you saved my life. And and the, the nebbish is like, I'm not interested in that. So anyways. <laughs> but that was like, that I think is the only time in the movie where she goes after it, right? Like every time, every other time it's like, you know. I'll take, being I'll, like, I'll take my payment in Barbarella sex where like this one, it was like her going, take me to your next. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> he, well, I mean, um, she also has that situation where she turns down the lady, right? Because like everything's yeah. all loosey goosey, but no lesbianism. All right. Like it's totally like that because no, she's like, I wouldn't say no, no at that moment, but I would argue that it was going to happen after the credits. <laughs> 
Well, I I hope so. Um, yeah, yeah. No, you see she your goes, face. She goes a little no homo there for a second, but yeah. well, um, well, okay. So every time they start to dance around the lesbianism, they have to say no homo. It's like later on, whenever the um, scantily clad lounger is like, "Come here, I've got a taste for you." It's essence of man. At first, you're like, "Ooh, gay," and then she <laughs> says, and you're like. Ooh, what does that even taste like? <laughs> what are you saying? It depends on what it depends on what he ate. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and this is a rated R episode. Okay, but uh, um, 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 I like <laughs> yeah, how I like how lot. sex with Barbarella like cures Pygar's flight problem. So it sure does. It sure nice. does. I mean, honestly, I think everyone on this call can agree it would probably cure our flight problem too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. They have that really funny scene where he's carrying her and the camera is just spinning around. <laughs> so that's the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Their, their special really effects long, are... Really long chase. Yes. With the yeah. ship and Pygar. And it's like the exact same pose. So obviously they're just hanging on a wire and they're not even trying to move them <laughs> around or anything. And it's right. just like, part, part, Pygar, go left. Go, look out for the no, laser. No, 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 no. She right. never said go left. She said go right like five times. <laughs> so he just went in a circle, basically. And the yeah. first yeah. time she says go right, he does go left. And I'm like, okay, I know you're blind, but. <laughs> the other right. The other right. <laughs> yeah, they so, had to train on that one a little bit before uh, it worked. Yeah. Back to back, it was like that weird hell was kind of boring. And then this really long But chase. then Now whenever... it's like, oh, man, this movie's losing steam for me. Whenever he she wakes up the next morning and Pygar's like she's all Pygar, Pygar, and then yeah. she like looks up and he's like flying yeah. around. That was funny. LOL moment. I laughed yes. out loud. I thought that Absolutely. that was so funny. Absolutely. <laughs> he's like, I can fly now. <laughs> I've found my will to fly. <laughs> and she's like, Me too. <laughs> Although he's never found his will to move his actual wings. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, his wings do not move through this Who movie. Who plays Pygar? That dude was fit, man. Great question. That guy was hilarious. Probably it's exactly like a, the right person to have in that role. Probably a supermodel who didn't even like get to use his own voice. That's what I, I want guessing. to be. I want to be the Rocky Horror actor, but I know it's not. He does have similar qualities of the Rocky Horror actor. By the way, if I tell you guys I've never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, are we going to have to watch that movie for this? <laughs> I mean, I mean it's yeah. very sci-fi. Because uh, I haven't. Never, ever. It's, it's a fun one. Uh, I it's do also, not see. It's also one where like the plot is not really there. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, they go to a haunted mansion, something about aliens. Mostly we're just watching Tim Curry. Like, and I, I always get names mixed up. Is that Susan Sarandon in that one? Oh my God. Like, this is a problem. Like I'm obsessed with her in that movie. And even whenever I watched it as like a very young kid, I was like, I have so many feelings and I just don't know a hundred percent what they are, but I am pretty sure I want to marry this woman like right now. Um, damn it, H Janet. <laughs> like, hasn't she disowned that film or something like that? I mean, you know, Susan Sarandon's had a really long career. She's been in a lot of things. <laughs> She's a wild, wild person, has many, many ideas and has many things to say. Um, she certainly like has a, I'd say offbeat brand of feminism and <laughs> maybe, maybe sometimes, um, did disown it i wouldn't be surprised um 
but she's great in it so i don't know what to tell her it's another one of those situations where it's like i don't know you were really good she's also acting like opposite her boyfriend through the entire movie so it's like who's your boyfriend in that movie is she really brad's her boyfriend in that yeah, he, they dated for a little while. Oh, she also funny, dated David Bowie. <laughs> and and then she acted with her husband in uh, Bull Durham. That's right. So apparently she just hooks up with people on set because that's how you meet, I guess. Yeah, I mean. I mean it, it's your work friends, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Although I always found it a good policy not to dip your pen in the company ink. Yeah, generally. I mean, that's my policy, but Susan Sarandon can do whatever she wants. Oh, but you work out of your bedroom, so that's a great policy. <laughs> 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 don't marry yourself i guess it's true well not to not to go off on too much of a susan sarandon tand, a tangent but sarandon. <laughs> tangent damn it <laughs> janet <laughs> sarandon <laughs> yeah she was oh and she was married to chris sarandon of course for, chris sarandon it's such oh, a wow. funny interview when they talk about each other because like he's all yeah she's great we just like stopped talking <laughs> Like we were married, but we were both actors, so we just kind of stopped talking. Well, she dated Sean Penn too. I'm oh no, now. that's unacceptable. We and remember she, what he did to Madonna. And then we married Tim Robbins, of course. That they met on Bull Durham. Mm-hmm. Very cute. Which is the greatest movie ever. And then I don't know. They split in 2009. Doesn't say why. So sad. I know. <laughs> This has nothing to do with this She movie. is the co-owner of the New York Ping Pong Club. So now I want to know what that is. <laughs> what? That's so cute. People right? Such weird random credits to themselves. Why? Like the time that I found out that the person at the head of the Oscar Academy was Dr. Pulaski's actress from Star Trek The Next Generation. What? Wow. That's the only Star Trek character in the history of Star Trek that I actively don't appreciate. But, <laughs> oh. but that's interesting that she... Uh, is the head of that thing. That's crazy. Um, so, um, <laughs> what are we talking about? Okay. So we got to the horrible, boring chase and then she ends up in the city of evil, I guess now. Yes. It's very evil there. You can tell because lesbianism exists there. Oh, and, is that one? Yeah. <laughs> and you can tell because, you know, what is it? Everybody's like the grand tyrant, the grand tyrant. And then it's mm-hmm. just like, Oh, it's this babe <laughs> with an eye patch. Like, same two. one from earlier. <laughs> That's the one the one time where sex was almost taken from her is that scene because two dudes like corner her and have a glint oh, in Oh, that's an eye. intense moment. Yeah. 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 Could have done yeah. without that, honestly. But then um Callisto yeah. saves her. You know what's really messed up? I mean, it's nice that Callisto saves her, first of all. Like that's actually mm-hmm. kind of great. But mm-hmm. the downside of that is is that A, Callisto has like very low consent situation going on in general with Pygar and with Barbarella, but also just the fact that like that didn't have to be in the movie at all. And if it wasn't in the movie, it would be a better movie, I think is like, so yeah. basically Callisto saved her for herself. Yeah. More than it's like less good. Reasons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little bit less good. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, we, pretty, that pretty. certainly could have just completely not been in the movie. That's something that I run into all of the time in movies from the sixties and seventies where I'm like, this woman is really cool. And like, I love the main character. And then it's just like, you really have to, um, there's like a five minute scene where you just well, have it's to just like, like, there's, there's always, there's a rule, right? There always has to be something that like, I don't know. There's so many movies that just decide, you know what? We're going to get a little bit violent here in gross ways. And yeah, 
Yeah, because it's evidently. like, oh, don't forget that this is something that's always present for you, you know, kind of. And it's just like, no matter how powerful you are, you're in space, you're doing all of this cool stuff. And it's like, just so you know, women, like, you will never be free of this, you know. And I think that there's a big problem with that. That it's I can't possibly call only this movie out <laughs> whenever I'm talking right. about that because it's like across the board. Like, this is movie after movie after movie, even into the modern age where you're just like – that didn't have to happen for her to be a badass. Like she could have just been a badass this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually kind of jarring, you know, to watch. So yeah, that part sucked. Um, <laughs> and pe- pe- people often come out of tragic backstories, but why does so many women's tragic backstory have to involve that? Yeah, well, why or, is it always or there, why right? is the tragedy always directed on them specifically where the guy's tragedy is always something else happening to somebody else that they love? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. I them. mean, that's the thing, right? Men have to worry about this stuff as well. And like, oh, never my wife that died. Well. But then in the, for the female, it's, oh, I got raped in a back alley. Yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah. It's gross. It really does suck. I mean, that's something that, like, that's part you of know, it's very, very sobering halfway through, like, a very ridiculous and campy movie. And that it's like, that's it, that's the thing, right? It's always so jarring. It's like, it's always like, this could completely be cut from the script. It doesn't serve any purpose whatsoever. Right, right. There's no reason for this to be here. And Which so if you're looking at it, of course, if you're looking at it from just a writer's perspective and editor's perspective, why wasn't this cut? You know, like this is something that doesn't belong in the script at all. It doesn't fit the vibe of the rest of the movie. Like there's no reason for this to be here. And so, yeah, I mean, I hate it. <laughs> right. It's like literally the worst part. It's like just a second and it's just a threat, Right. But it's like even just the fact that there is that threat is just kind of like, what a bummer. Like, what a huge bummer. Um, So moving along to better things. Yeah. um, She gets put in the um, sex piano. (laughs) I forgot all about that. (laughs) Callista. I don't know what her real name is. We keep calling her Callista. The Grand Tyrant. The Grand Tyrant was played by. Callista? No. uh, (laughs) Callista from the X-Men, everybody. It's Anita um, Pallenberg, who's like the Rolling Stones, like the woman of the Rolling Stones or something, isn't she? Right, right, like, right, right. She's the girl that dated like half the band and was their muse for a long time. And she's like a supermodel and stuff. So. Right, right, right. So she's kind of famous-ish. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah. That's I mean, all I know she's her, that's all I know her from, though, is like <laughs> dating Rolling Stones and now Barbarella, I guess. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I don't think like the acting career took off too well, but I mean, <laughs> right. you know how it goes sometimes. Yeah, People yeah. are just like, you're pretty, you should be in movies. And then it's just yeah, like, that didn't yeah. really work out. I mean, yeah. I mean, I maybe... thought she was pretty good in it. Yeah, she's totally good. I like her a lot in this. What she's trying to do. Well, I, I heard that it didn't go well for her because she, every time she would go to read for a part, she'd call everybody there pretty, pretty. And it just uh, oh, yeah. it got awkward <laughs> after a while. Right? <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty. <laughs> My name's not pretty, pretty. It's director Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, because you have that fun scene. My name's not pretty, pretty. It's Barbarella. And she's like, pretty, pretty, pretty. <laughs> it's okay. just like, God damn it, stop. <laughs> But I think the piano happens after my favorite scene in the entire okay. movie. What's your favorite scene? Or maybe I'm movie? wrong. Maybe it happened first. But just as I'm getting bored of this movie, they become brilliant again. And she meets the leader of the revolution, right? The guy with the mustache. That's right. Yes. Mustache um, guy I with the freaking funny thing, hair. That, that scene was so damn funny to me. Like I was just laughing hysterically through the whole thing where they have like, <laughs> where they have like her form of sex. Yes. The pill sex. Yes. The pill sex. So they're just touching. 
and her, her hair, hair goes curls into curlers. Up, and, and his hair goes straight up. And then at some point she lets go of him and he just sits there like he's still in the trance. And she's like, woo, that's crazy. <laughs> and she looks around and notices someone's watching her. And she's like, oh, hey, what's going on? And then goes, whoops, and puts her hand back up on him. Like and total like, female versus male. Guys totally into it. Girls kind of sort of into it, um, <laughs> even, even in the future. And then afterwards, like they're still having like these funny conversations and he notices his hair has got crazy sex hair and he tries to fix it. And oh my God. And he is I like so bad at so much of his job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's horrible too. Yeah. But it was yeah. Funny. It's totally but, sexy Looney Tunes, right? Like this totally just like complete visual gags and so, so ridiculous. Yeah. And of course he's like the least attractive person in the entire film. Oh my God. He does look quite like a nerd. And also he's totally like uh, like a leftist who hasn't really thought his policies out too much. <laughs> so he's kind of like a basic person. Um, not to trash him too hard. He does seem like he has a great time in this movie. But <laughs> right. Characterization wise. I'm trying to remember. Like at some point they show that he's leading the charge. But is that all? Is that the last we see of him? I think so. It's like uh, the last part of this movie, no matter how many times I watch it, I'm always just like, I have okay. no idea. Like, yeah, that's it's just like people it, running around and like colored smoke and like <laughs> weird stuff happening. And okay, so he, laughing. he gives her, let's try and break this down. And it's, I'm going to fail, but he gives her the invisible key. Oh, mm-hmm. because you need an invisible key for an invisible wall. Absolutely. And then yeah. what's what's behind the invisible wall that she's supposed to get? The Chamber of Dreams. <laughs> Why? I don't. That's the part I kind of lose ch- it. Is the Chamber of Dreams literally the sexy piano? <laughs> no, 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 no. The Chamber of Dreams is later. Yeah, after the sexy piano, he takes her t- to the. Because um, that's the thing is like even after the sexy piano takes all of her clothes off, somehow the key on its chain stayed on her neck. Um, but I don't know why she wanted to go into the chamber of dreams, but he tricked her into it because there's another okay. key inside and he, he steals wants it. to, he wants to take over the tyrant's role and he needs his positronic ray and access to the chamber of dreams. But it doesn't say why I'm reading this right now. Cause I'm cheating. Oh, you're uh, like reading the internet. Uh huh. So is his pos- <laughs> is his positronic ray in the chamber of dreams, and he has to get it open to get it out? Maybe it got locked away or something. I don't know. Maybe. But my anyway, mind he- is stuck on positronic ray. <laughs> but yeah, the piano thing was awesome because like she outlasts <laughs> so the funny. sex. She sexes it out and it blows up or something. She's like the facial expressions of Jane Fonda so damn funny. Like and, and again, I don't know if this is direct influence, but as she was in that piano. I was thinking the torture chamber and Princess Bride. I don't know. It oh, seemed yeah. kind of similar. A weird dude. The machine. Yeah, the machine. I don't know. Yeah, it, that wasn't like that. that wasn't sex, but it was kind of like that. So 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 then you have um, this was this was like a, a a literature moment eye opener when I was in college because being a guy you don't even always learn about these things as you're growing up. But um, he does the sex machine with her. And he's all like really excited to like pleasure her to death. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when she outlasts it, he starts shaming her sexuality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the whole like pra- uh, praising slash desiring, but also shaming slash shunning uh-huh. woman's sexuality. Just that dichotomy that's been around since probably the model first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, okay, so we're going to get this. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I mean, it definitely puts him in the side of the villain for sure. And also it's kind of, uh, 
is good for her in a way. It's like totally just such a, it's like another one of those things where you're like, you didn't super have to have this guy in this movie like at all. Um, But, you know, it's funny. Like the whole scene is really funny. And then the fact that he does do that is kind of a commentary. It doesn't totally succeed considering that like this entire movie is about objectifying Jane Fonda mostly, you Mm -hmm. know, from a lot of people's perspective. So it doesn't totally work. Um, it, I would have probably ended this movie a lot differently, you know, obviously, oh, God, but, yeah. um, <laughs> like in a way that made sense in a way that made any kind of sense would have been fine. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of choices I would have made differently and it's definitely, um, very funny that she goes looking for this guy and then he ends up doing like all of this where you're just kind of like, she really is kind of just open to experience through this entire movie. And this guy is like, Oh, you're shameful, you're shameful, and like all of that. And it's well, there, I mean, and also it's a commentary in a way, but it's definitely still commentary that's like written by a dude for sure, you know. And there's the one line that was my personal least tasteful or most tasteless part where he uses the F slur. And he's using it in a technically, if archaically correct sense. Yeah, yeah. But but you still it's there. Which means yeah. you know, the F slur actually does have roots as a misogynistic term. Uh-huh. It's a it's a it's a um, derogatory term for women from like the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries that they got transferred onto gay men, mm-hmm. which means it's both misogynist and homophobic, and we just don't need it anymore. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, it does have roots in like burning stuff. I remember, like, I mean, once again, literally, I have watched this so many times, and I completely forgot that that part was in it. And so I heard him like yell that, and I kind of like looked at the TV again, like. Did he just, uh, like, I just kind of moved on from it really fast because I was like, I'm not going to rewind to see if that's actually what he said. Um, but yeah, it is kind of shocking, right? It was definitely like one of those moments too, where I was like, side eye, <laughs> side eye to all of the filmmakers. This yeah. like sucks for the script a little bit. Um, and, you know, in ways that maybe they didn't, they weren't fully, I don't know. I don't understanding know. I, the of at the time but... was definitely there. But at the same time, I don't think that the language flavor had really, I don't know, language changes over time, right? And what uh, was okay. I mean, yeah, and like <laughs> grossly misogynistic terms never go out of style, really. No, no, so no. It's like but people continue to use those all of the time, so. It's, it's bad. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great, I'll say that. <laughs> Duran Duran is mostly funny, um, but not there. And since he's the musician of the movie, the band takes their name from him. Yeah, with their sex pianos. Yeah, that's why I like Duran Duran. Totally, they are sex pianos, right? I was trying to think of what a Duran Duran song was, and I came up blank. But I know (laughs) I should know a Duran Duran. Hey, there you go. No, that's not Duran Duran. That's Depeche Mode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. (laughs) All I can think of is Duran Ran Ran a Duran Ran. Is that Duran Duran? No, it's not. It's just a joke. You guys are not helping me in the slightest. This is the worst. Okay. Now I want to find a song by freaking Duran Duran. Hungry like the wolf. Hey, there we go. I, said <laughs> I knew there had to be one. Oh, totally. <laughs> okay. Well, that's one. Planet Earth, Careless Memories. I'm looking for uh-huh. singles. Girls singles on film. Where we want. It's so funny that I would just like completely merged Dur- okay. Depeche Mode and Duran oh, Duran into the a same. A view to band. a kill. Uh huh. Yeah. So there, they had two songs in my life. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, Depeche Mode's cooler. 
You know, they are, unfortunately. Sorry, Duran Duran. But that is a good band name. Nice deep dive. That is yeah, but Depeche Mode is not named after sex pianos. No. <laughs> That's the downside. And honestly, their music is much more sex piano. <laughs> They're all the poorer for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Switch so, names if you don't mind. So she gets stuck in this invisible chamber and the queen is in there for no random reason that I can remember. And then she's like, or, and then um, Duran Duran like takes control of the city. So maybe he put her in there. And then like the rebels attack Duran Duran. And then the queen unleashes this big giant lava something that destroys everybody, I guess, kills <laughs> the entire world, except for her and Barbarella because the lava finds Barbarella so repellent in her innocence that it puts a bubble around her to protect itself from Barbarella, <laughs> which right. in turn also protects Barbarella from the lava. And then Pygar shows up and saves them. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, why'd you, why'd you save this skank? You know? And he's like, <laughs> an angel has no memory. And he kind of winks. And then the girl kind of, or the bad girl looks at Barbarella and Barbarella looks at the bad girl and kind of goes, Hmm. And then there's all <laughs> credits. The so, angel yeah. has no memory. I so think they were all going to hook up, up everybody. That's my, that's my opinion. <laughs> that's a great opinion. <laughs> yeah. Cause that Barbarella face on the end was her evaluating the situation and deciding let's go with this. I, I, I'm down for this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, without the, the only without ending the really. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was the plot. I don't know. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So that was all weird. So basically, that means that the tyrant just killed everybody. Kind of. <laughs> except Barbarella and Pygar. Yeah. That's so Including funny. the good guys that were all <laughs> yeah. fondling it's, each other. They're like, rock. you know what? Good person, bad person, you're all dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these three are these three unspeakably beautiful people are off to have a threesome <laughs> at, at, on at your least, ashes. At least the weapon did not make it to Earth. That's all she cares about, I guess. That's pretty much her mission is done. <laughs> which I don't know that it ever seemed to be threatened to go to Earth because he wanted to take over <laughs> that planet, which wasn't Earth. So who cares? It really had right? nothing to do with the situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Her motivations weapon, are certainly her motivations are highly questionable here. Because <laughs> here's the thing. They're like. He made a weapon. <gasps> a weapon? Let's go take care of it. And then she goes to this weird world where there's like thousands of weapons. Yeah, and they like they teleport <laughs> so, six weapons to her at the beginning. They're like, here's a weapon, here's a weapon, here's a just in case for self-defense. Oh, and she used them too, yeah. <laughs> but like the rebels had weapons and the guy in the beginning had nets and whips for the kids. And totally. like everybody has weapons. So what's the problem? Why is yeah. it just one weapon? That's weird. Yeah, great questions. Great questions. I'm starting to think this movie doesn't hold up. <laughs> Are you saying Just there are plot to, holes in this film? To Maybe. any level of critical examination, I, I, it really doesn't. <laughs> I thought it was pretty tight till we started talking about it. Yeah, something's wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, we're not watching it right now, so we're not seeing charismatic, beautiful Jane Fonda like wink That's her way is. through it. So That's like, what it is. You know what? It's like Iron Man 2. Like the char- charisma just carries you through it. A hundred percent. And then you, and walk, then you walk away, away and you're just like, you know wait. what? That didn't work at all. That didn't work. I think why, Robert Downey Jr. Why was I so entranced? <laughs> and then you're right. like... Robert Downey Jr. He did it again. He got me again. You know, I don't know why y'all are all about Jane Fonda being so beautiful, Sarah, because she says in the film that she's just average. <laughs> I know. The, that just makes you want to go to Earth, line, doesn't it? The greatest line of all time is basically them was... being like, are you typical of Earth women? And she's like, I'm about average. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, you're average. That's probably a great way to put that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Some line about something leading to drama or something. I don't know. Some line. 
Man, I wish I had wrote it down. There was a really good one. <laughs> but she said a lot of really good lines. She just wrote yeah, all down, It's all her one-liners, essentially. Mm-hmm. The, and it's like set design, one-liners. Mm-hmm. Amir. Yep. So, <laughs> well, I mean... all in all, I can't say I regret watching it. I don't know that it's going to be a something I watch often or ever again. But it was pretty funny. Sometimes it was funny. I will watch it again throughout the rest of my life, I am sure. Um, At various times, you know? I don't need to watch it tomorrow. But I'll probably watch it again in, like, seven years. I'm glad that I have seen it. It's one of those things that, like, it's the name that's been in my head since, you know, probably childhood. And I've seen it. So so Barbarella is essentially Sarah's, like, Pon Far. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That is my headcanon. I don't know about you. (laughs) Every seven Um, years, she has to check in for some Barbarella love. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm hit me out, Barbarella. Like, what's up? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right. this movie's goofy, but it's fun. And, you know, as we say, it doesn't necessarily hold up to critical examination. I, I can kind of see how you jump to this one from Flash Gordon. Flash, though, right. There's definitely some similarities in the whole, like, why are they doing this? Because the plot tells them to. Of course. Kind of thing. There are some, I would, I would not be surprised if these two movies happen in the same universe yeah. with the same visual designer. Yeah. The aesthetic, like, the like beauty before acting skills situation, mm-hmm. um, the goofy, goofy jokes, you know, like all of those things. And like the fact that the goofy jokes are what makes it not infuriating, I think is something that both of them really, and the bright colors and the great set right. design, like those are all things that I think you, they both have in common. Everybody sounds got, dubbed. They do. Yes. Yeah. You would think the gap from 1968 to 1980 would have made these films farther apart, but nope. No. <laughs> Not at all. No. They are sequels. <laughs> that's they really screaming. Are. A good many dramatic situations begin with screaming. That's oh, that's my best line. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Great line. Oh my god, yes. So I forgot all about that. Oh, when did they so then they archangeled Picar? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. That's I really when you na- when you just kind of nail down that that's obviously Callista, because that's the exact same plot. It Walt Simonson take oh my gosh. Mm. Uh Chris Claremont. Um because it happened in the Storm series, the uh, Walt Simonson. I mean, this guy got his wings ripped out a couple times. Um, but like the Walt Simonson was an X Factor. Um, um, Callisto made her debut in the story where she fights Storm to the death in Uncanny X Men. It's like in the one sixty eight ish era. Yeah, I, don't... I was picturing the the art, Simonson art of Archangel pinned up. Not yes. an archangel, but, but regular angel. Right. I think Paul Smith did the original story. But either way, um, Callisto is so clearly, yeah. <laughs> so clearly it's inspired. Based. Yeah. Yeah. And they I love the Callisto. Callisto has gone in all of these fun directions. Even now she's popping up and doing fun, exciting new things. So it's really fun that they took this kind of what I would consider like a stereotypical character and kind of like, you know, like all the bisexuals are evil kind of like, you know, vibe. Um, and they took it in a different direction and had Callisto be somebody who's really complicated and torn over a lot of things. So, I mean, that's the happy ending really is, is that a lot of the things that this movie uh, inspired went in really interesting directions. I thought all the evil people in the real world were straight. <laughs> Anyways. Who was Professor Ping? Oh, that's was, the that's the dude. That guy. That's the yeah, dude that the, fixed the ship. Right, old guy in the in the. That was uh, Marcel Marceau. Yeah, totally. The world's the most famous mime in the entire world, or whatever. Yep. Wow, I missed that part. Interesting. What a weird role. Oh, totally. Like not so, Professor Potter from Supergirl. 
<laughs> so, so there's like, yeah, some famous people in here and then not some not so famous people in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what's his name? Um, Duran Duran. I've definitely seen in other things, too, but I couldn't tell you what they are. Oh, yeah. Same but He's here. one of those guys that's just been in everything, probably. Yeah. A lot of B-movies from this time. Uh-huh. All right. Well, um, you know, worth watching. If you're in the right mood, this is definitely a film that is worth watching. Um, nice family film. You what? Nice family film. You know, it depends on your family. And if my family had wanted to watch it with me, they totally could have. But um, neither one of them was interested. So they're like, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, teach your kids about sex, y'all. Um, anyways, true. so Sarah, what have you got going on in your life right now? Dear God, um, terrifying question. Um, I'm moving across the country um, <laughs> casually in the next two weeks. This is nothing that anybody really needs to hear too much detail on, but I'm going to be living in a much calmer, smaller town. And it's taking up a lot of my time to get ready to do. And also, I am in the middle of a series of biographies that are about queer creators from the gay comic scene. There was a series in the that began in 1980 that was called Gay Comics. And, of course, a lot of gay creators worked on it. A lot of it is forgotten, of course. So I'm just kind of talking about some of the creators that were involved in it and trying to give them their due for Pride. Of course, we're doing Decoded Pride. Of course, we're doing double episodes for Bitches on Comics right now. So we have tons and tons of content that's going up on my podcast. Um, Decoded is like the short story collection that we're doing that's all queer creators, 30 stories in 30 days. And whoo, yeah, no, it's a lot. Um, you you want to follow me on Twitter probably <laughs> to catch up on this stuff. It's like Sarah Century, um, no H. And yeah, you could check... Uh, decodedpride.com and or bitchesoncomics.com both of those will tell you a lot of the things that i'm up to right now and of course sci-fi fangirls which i love writing for mike where's your life i don't know do oh shoot we haven't talked about what we're doing next time no we could do that after so let me catch up i don't do anything <laughs> what do you do um what do i do i i yeah. podcast and i tweet stuff um okay you started almost, a new twitter <laughs> i did start a new twitter today um so you know, you see these things. I, I follow a few of them, like X Men '90s covers or something. They're just like posting everything of a particular brand in comics. So Sarah's like, you know, I need a Twitter account that has like every time Wolverine calls Xavier Chuck, and everyone's like, Sarah, be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> and Sarah's like, I don't have any fucking time to do that right now. <laughs> so I'm like, fine. I will. <laughs> so um, over at Twitter, you can follow at Logan says Chuck. And as of this recording, <laughs> it has zero tweets because I'm trying to find the first one. And there's a lot of X-Men comics where Wolverine doesn't call him Chuck, calls him prof, calls him yes. bub, even refers to him as Big Daddy X. <laughs> Which is a whole thing. <laughs> That's totally like a good runner up, though. I think that that can go on the page. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the lead up. These are the well, prequels. <laughs> this, is, this is easy. You just read every Wolverine appearance ever. It that. really, they start to stack up after a while. I'll say that. There's a lot yeah. of checks coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to late 80s and suddenly the Wolverine appearances are like everywhere. Um, but anyways, so there's that. There's my regular Twitter at John Reads Comics. There's my two other podcasts. Um Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast at TFUK podcast. And there is my Image Comics podcast, All the Pouches, at All the Pouches on Twitter. And yeah, so that's all of my stuff. Um, next month, Mike? Let me yes. Know. 
Well, we are going to do a Marvel set of movies. So we're going to change. A, 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 we're going to. We've never done this before, but we're going to cover two movies in one episode. Probably we're going to cover. What is it called? I should have looked it up. Captain America and Captain America: Death Too Soon or Death No More or some freaking whatever. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now. We're going to do the Red Brown Captain America um, TV made for TV movies. Yeah, Captain America Two: Death Too Soon. Death Too yes. Soon. Yes. So the first one's just called Captain America. Came out in 1979. Next one, Captain America Two: Death Too Soon, also 1979. So both TV movies. Um, we're going to just cover them both because. I have seen them before, and I'm pretty positive they're fairly similar, and any opinions we have about them are going to cover both movies for the most part. <laughs> you can so tell they're really be good because change. they came out the same year. Yeah, they came out. <laughs> they probably just filmed them at the same time, back-to-back, just like The Lord of the Rings. Same quality. <laughs> so, yeah. That should be fun. Yes. So we're oh, very much fun. looking forward to it. Random trivia. The second movie was aired over two nights, and the second half led into the conclusion of Salem's Lot. Oh. Hmm. So there you go. All right. That's a difference in tone. Yeah. Yeah, watch Red Brown tackle whatever he tackles, then go watch some vampires. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So that's next month. And um, yeah, go listen to our other episode that is on the feed right now. It is talking about some Marvel comics. Send us your emails on your thoughts on Barbarella. I guess we'll see y'all next time. Yay. Bye. Bye. What did you save her for after all the terrible things she's done to you? An angel has no memory. A beggar is sorrow, the devil is hate. A dream is tomorrow, a fool cannot wait. An artist is beauty that rises above to look in the eye.